it as Little Ben, right, because it's the elementary school, so Little Ben. Uh, so here's how this is uh, probably going to go for the next uh, couple months. Uh, we're still in, we still got to sign papers and things like that, but they've committed to us and we've committed to them. And uh, they gave us the facility for our asking price. So for just a little more money every, every month, we're going to get like quadruple um, the facility. So y'all be in prayer about that. Uh, so here's the tentative plan, just FYI. I'll be making videos like about that uh, to put out, to give you all information. If you don't know, we put out several videos every week. If you need to get on our communication chain, just let me or Josh know. We'll put you on that. Um, but what we're probably going to do is sometime in the summer, we're looking at around June time, we might jump into that facility and start to, uh, start to worship there and kind of get used to it and practice over the summer and then try in the fall to kind of ramp up an opening. Each time we move facilities, it's an opportunity to let people know and the community know that we're here and that we're here to serve them, specifically with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we turned our attention to that now as we go to God's Word, which is the means of transformation. Let me tell you a little bit about what we're doing and why we're doing it. As Josh mentioned earlier, we're in the middle as a church plant of our first time of electing our own leadership. As a Presbyterian church plant, we've had uh, brother, uh, sister churches in the area that have lent us, we call it rent an elder, right? So lent us their elders for uh, a season, and we've had several wonderful men that have served our congregation in that way, and we're at the point now where we are electing our own leaders. And as Josh mentioned, we had nominations, and that process just ended, and then we, um, and I'll be contacting those nominees, and then we'll do some training, and then they will be back in front of you again uh, for an election process. The hallmark of Presbyterianism is you get to choose your own leader, right? Uh, you submit, but you also get to choose your own leader. And so I just wanted to say this is a wonderful time where we get to praise God for the season that he's brought us in these several years that we've been around as a church plant. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then also to continue to pray. In the book of Acts chapter 14, uh, when, they, when they were appointing elders in the churches, as the church is just getting started, they did so with prayer and fasting. Uh, Acts chapter 14 and verse 23 says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasted, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had, the, whom they had believed. So we are trusting the Lord because leadership's important, and that's why I'm taking some time to talk about that. Okay? One of the realities is, and I don't know if you know that, if you've maybe just gotten in, uh, around Christianity in the church, or maybe you've been around for a while, but there's actually a lot of information in the Bible about how God wants His church to be governed. And so we're going to talk about that in this series that I've called God's Delegated Authority, okay? where God throughout history has been giving his authority, delegating it, not that he loses it and someone else gains it, right? But he's, he's giving authority to men and women to, uh, throughout the history of, 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 the, of the God's people, and specifically the church. And there's a lot of information about the Bible. And as Christians, if you're going to claim the name Christ, is something that you have to understand. How does these, all this information, we're going to look at three passages today, and I could have get picked out more just around this topic of an elder in the church. God has a lot to say about that, and so that's what this series is about, is, is understanding that specifically for our season. And y'all know, because you've been involved in, in businesses, organizations, schools, and clubs, leadership matters. 
When you have good leadership, an organization typically does well and is healthy. Leadership matters. And so it's an important thing to talk about. And here's another thing that's important. If, if you're here today and, and you're struggling with the concept of religion, maybe with Christianity, welcome. This is a place where you can learn safely without necessarily being critiqued. Uh, but a lot of resistance that I find that people have today, this is some of the resistance that I've had in my life, is against what this is the, the, typically the term I get, is organized religion. I encounter folks all the time. We have wonderful conversations, and typically at some time in the conversation we have in lunch, they know it's coming. Like the last guy I had breakfast with, he's like, yeah, I thought you were going to talk to me about this. I'm like, yeah, you knew it was coming. Well, let's just do it. So, uh, but he said, I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a pretty spiritual person, but I'm not really committed to, to organized religion. And I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. I'm a pretty spiritual person, but I'm not really, I, I'm not really committed to organized religion. Uh, religion. So we're going to talk about that a little bit today, but I'm actually in this series going to talk about, have a whole sermon devoted to that, okay? Uh, when we talk about why denominations exist and what they are, okay? Because that's one of the most popular questions. All right, so summary. I think these are really relevant questions, and this series is designed to answer those questions, okay? What we've done uh, so far is we talked about what God does with authority in the Bible, and then last time that we, we broached this subject, we talked about membership. Why be a member of a church? What is it? Okay? And then today we're talking about one of three offices that I'll explain to you in just a minute of the elder. Okay? One of three offices that I'll explain to you in a minute um, of the elder. Okay? And here's uh, the big question that we're asking in this series. What does God say about spiritual leadership for the church? What does the Bible say about it? And we're going to try to chop it up as we talk about uh, different things, right? So today I'm making the case uh, for a biblical for eldership. Leaders in the church under this category, this office, if you will, of elder. And when I say the word office, don't think about you know, your favorite sitcom of 10 years ago, right? Think about the office. When I say office, I don't mean a place that you go to work. I mean a position of authority or a governing position. Okay, so when I say office, that's what I mean by that. Um, elder is one of the three offices uh, that I think Scripture talks about in, uh, when it talks about the leaders of the church, specifically an elder. An elder's job is to govern uh, the church. And this is what God commands in His Word, but it's also really valuable, and I would argue necessary. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And I believe, therefore, that according to the Bible and practical experience, that governing a church without elders is both unbiblical and ineffective. That having elders lead a church is the best way, but not the perfect or guaranteed way, but the best way to have a healthy and thriving church. Let me explain that, okay? I think, one, elders, we see this, and I'm going to show you in just a minute, Com this idea of an elder comes from the Bible, right? So we do it because it says to, right? But also, I believe it's necessary and the best way to have a healthy and thriving church. But what I'm not saying is it's a guarantee, and here's why. Because you and me are sinful. And even if you elect men of good character who love and lead, there is this presence of sin in our life, which is the disobedience to what God commands not to do and what He commands to do, Okay? There is this disobedience, and they can gum the whole thing up. That being said, this is the best way. 
It's not the perfect way or the guaranteed way, but the best way. All right, and so that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, just a little bit of a, a little bit of an overview here. I'm going to do this every time we talk about the three offices, real quick. Um, elders, according to the Bible, uh, need to be men. I'm going to address that very, very briefly today. But I'm going to have a whole sermon devoted to women in leadership. Okay, so just hold your horses. We'll get there. All right. Um, but one of three, this, <clears throat> elders are one of three offices. You've got elders deacons, and then pastors. Elders, deacons, and then pastors. And we'll do a sermon for each. Today's the elder one, all right? Elders, as I'm going to argue today, are shepherds who teach, but primarily care, spiritually care for people. Deacons are people who serve the physical needs. Here's the difference, okay? In the scriptures, in Acts chapter 6, Deacons, there's widows who need things. They need food, they need shelter, they need clothing, they have physical needs. And the deacons of the church are in charge of that. And one of the reasons why I think that, that we're struggling in so many ways as a culture as to what to do with the poor is because we've confused or forgotten about the office of deacon. Okay, We'll get to that when it's that time to talk about deacon. And then pastors are also shepherds. They're fellow elders. They're a type of elder, if you will. But their main job is teaching, which is what I'm doing this morning. Simply just going to teach you the Word of God. And I actually devote most of my time uh, to do that, whether it's teaching like this or other people. All right? So those are the basic three categories, elders, pastors, and then, and then deacons. Elders care for people spiritually. We'll talk about the day today. Deacons serve people's physical needs. And then pastors serve people's spiritual needs primarily through teaching. I know that's a lot. We'll, I just want to review that every time we get together. All right, y'all ready? All right, here we go. All right, in your order of worship that you received, this might be the easiest thing. I'm going to go over three brief passages today. It's printed for you. Now, if you're like lightning quick Bible drill, then let's do it. All right, flip to these three passages real quick. Uh, but for several of you guys that have slower thumbs... Um, the passages are right there for you. And so I'm going to read these three. We'll pray and jump right in, okay? I'd encourage you now to give your attention. This is God's Word. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to drag away disciples after them. Titus chapter 1 and verse 5, Paul's writing to one of his protégés, one of his mentors, is Titus. This is what he says. The reason I left you in Crete was that you, might that you might straighten out what I left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest game. Rather, he must be hospitable. <clears throat> one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message that as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. 
And then one of the disciples, Peter, writing to churches, writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 1, these four verses. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings, and one who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, eager to, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we consider your word today, we simply ask for your help. We simply ask that we would be able to see you and, and our own sin, your glory, our glory uh, in the Bible. And so take the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together, and I pray that they're pleasing in your sight. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a big idea today. big idea this morning is pretty simple. God has ordained the office of elder because the people of God need to be shepherded in order to thrive. God has ordained the office of elders because we, the congregation of uh, the, the, the people of God, in whatever church you're a part of, need shepherding in order to thrive and be healthy. Okay, um, That people cannot live in harmony without leadership. People cannot live in harmony without leadership. You, you will never find a society of people that doesn't have leadership, even if it's small. Small, large, it doesn't matter. A tribe in the middle of, of nowhere, you're going to find some level of leadership. It, it might be very structural and hierarchical, like the military, and you need a diagram to understand the flow chart of leadership. Or it could be as simple as a household. Or a few, or a few, or a few people together that make up a tribe. But in every one of those situations, you'll find leadership, because in order for people to live in harmony, there needs to be leadership. The question that we're asking is, what type of leadership has God ordained to care for His people? And the primary illustration that Scripture uses for the office of elder is that of a shepherd. Okay, it's that of a shepherd. So the question we're asking today, what I'm going to do with these three passages is not pick them apart piece by piece and word by word, but we're going to talk conceptually about what all of them combined say. Okay, we'll be referring back to them. But what does a shepherd do? What does a shepherd do? He's got a sheep out there. What does he do? Well, he has to feed them. He has to lead them to places where they can receive nourishment. He has to protect them. They're vulnerable animals. And they're actually pretty stupid from what I hear. They're, they're not, they don't have a, they don't have a lot of smarts about them, all right? So he's got to keep them away from harming themselves. He's also got to keep them away from predators, okay? And for those who go outside of the bounds of safety, hear me say this, for those sheep who go outside of the bounds of safety, he has to discipline them to bring them back into the safety of the flock, okay? That's what a shepherd does. And in the same way, an elder in the church is responsible for doing the same thing for the people for which God has spilt his own blood. Now, one of the things that we struggle with today are two, two things, one of which I've already mentioned. One of the things we struggle with is the lie of self-sufficiency. 
In, in our culture, we hold very high value that this idea that we can take care of ourselves and we don't need anybody. Now, independence, in some ways, is a good thing. As a parent, I want to raise my children to be independent. However, God didn't create you to be self-sufficient. God didn't create you to be self-sufficient. You need Him, and you need other people uh, to, to thrive and be healthy. That's why so many people deal with loneliness and rebellion, and it leads to pain and other things. Self-sufficiency does not equal happiness, okay? And that's one of the reasons why God has called us to submit to good leadership, okay? All right, we're going to talk about this idea under three quick points. Ready? Why are elders necessary, what an elder does, and what are the qualifications for an elder? Pretty simple. Why are elders necessary, what an elder does, and what are the qualifications for an elder? Number one, what, why are elders necessary? Um, the first thing, just a quick review, a couple sentences about the series we went. One of the reasons elders are necessary is because God delegates his authority throughout Scripture. It starts before sin enters the world. God gave Adam a mandate to lead and have authority over his creation. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds and of the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God's giving authority to humanity. Right? And then even after sin entered the world, God is delegating his authority to the patriarchs. Moses, through the law, the passage that Josh read a few minutes ago, the elders <clears throat> of the Israelites, judges, priests, and kings, that there has always been leadership within God's kingdom. Always. Even before sin entered the world. And that when the leadership has been good and people have submitted to it, there has been human flourishing. And when leadership has been bad or people didn't submit to it, there has not been human flourishing. There's been pain and misery. And the same is true after Jesus came into the world, okay? And then the next thing we talked about was church membership. And my argument was that church membership is the skeleton that gives shape to our commitment to Christ and each other. In other words, relationships thrive in the context of commitment. The argument was that, it, uh, that um, without membership in a local church, that the commitment to participate in the life of the church and to participate in the mission of the church then your Christian life will be like a body without a skeleton. Muscles, mass, skin, no shape. And it completely ineffective, just a blob on the ground. That you need the skeleton of church membership to live and move and work. Okay? So, God's delegated authority. Alright? It's in the Bible. There needs to be church membership. It's in the Bible. So who's going to lead? Now we're on the topic of elders. So why are else elders necessary? Okay, here's one of the subpoints. Number one, elders are necessary because people naturally gather in groups and they need to have leadership. Now, one of the things that people say, again, we've talked about, right? And it's, it's fine. It's one of the things that I've felt before in my life is that I'm a Christian and I'm very spiritual, but I'm against organized religion. And my argument to you would be you're actually not. You're not against organized religion because that's illogical and foolish. You're against something else, and you're using that as an excuse, okay? 
Now again, we would have this conversation, I'm going to preach a whole sermon, but let me just say, it's illogical to be against organized religion because anything that's worth anything is organized. All right, so I'm coaching softball right now and we're having so much fun. I love, I love coaching softball, but I have been surprised by this at how much time it takes to organize this. You can't just show up and, and just wing it, right? If you try, then you're like, okay, who's playing second base? Last time I had four outfielders, right? I had four outfielders. And they're like, hey, we got too many girls on the field. We got to pull one off, right? And then I remember we did all this work. I did, you know, YouTubing and all kind of stuff, trying to get, learn all the positions. And then we get to our first game, and I forgot to teach the kids about the strike zone. So they were swinging at everything. You see what I'm saying? It takes organization to run a youth 9 to 11 girls softball team, Okay. How much more the people of God for which Jesus spilt his own blood? Any organization needs leadership. If you were to walk out to my softball team, and it looks like I haven't thought about it until I walked out to the team, and your girl was on my team, what would happen next season? You wouldn't put your girl on my team. You would say, I can't believe he's not organized. What happens when you walk into a fast food restaurant and it takes, I don't know, three and a half minutes to get your fries? I, they got to get organized. Back there, you're really not against organized religion. You're using it as an excuse to be against something else. Okay? And we'll talk about that later. All right? But elders are necessary because people naturally gather in group and need or and they need organization. And one of the reasons we're hesitant is because we've seen a lot of bad we've seen a lot of bad leadership. Right? We've seen that we, one of the things we're nervous about is, is we've seen corruption. Right? We've seen a lot of things that come in. We've seen uh, that. But here's the reality. Organization is not bad. Corrupt organization is bad. Organization is a blessing. Organization is an absolute blessing. Okay? Point number two. Elders are necessary because God has commanded it. Simple. First Timothy to Titus, one of the passages we just read, verse 5. It's that middle passage, if you're looking in your bulletin, verse 5. Paul says to Titus, The reason I left you in Crete was so that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Straight up. There it is. Command. And then I just read three of probably six or eight passages that I could have read you just about the office of elder. So the reality is there's a lot in God's word about it. And we need to deal with that reality. Point number three. Elders are necessary because people have complicated problems and they need outside help for a solution. There's a lot of problems in our life that are just complicated and we don't know how to address them. I, you know, it, oftentimes we find you just completely uh, out to lunch. I remember every time we, they, we, we have a kid and they give us the kid, I'm always like, I can't believe that you're going to give me this child. There's, there's so many problems that I don't know how to help. And I've had to reach out for help in a lot of different ways. But there are also problems that are just complicated, and I don't know how to address these problems. Or you, there's problems between two people, and I'm blind to the solution. I'm tainted by my own perspective or my own sin, and I need someone who's a third party that's not as emotionally involved and as I am to get involved to help me see. 
This is one of the reasons that I advocate for, a, for any couple going to counseling. It's helped Jenny and I a lot of times. It's, sometimes it's not necessarily that, 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 that we hate each other. It's that I am entrenched in my perspective, and, and she's entrenched in her perspective, and it takes someone who's not so emotionally involved to say, hey, do you see what you're doing? Do you see what you're doing? And we can both walk away going, no, I didn't see that. I was blind to it, right? That's one of the reasons why we have elders. In the Bible, there's a complicated problem that King Solomon solves between two women who are fighting, and they live in the same house, and they both have same-age children, and one of the, their babies, one of the ladies rolls over in the middle of the night and smothers her child, and while the other one's sleeping, trades. And so the other one wakes up and finds her dead son, but then realizes that this is not her son. But now they're in a battle. And what do they do at that point? They go to leadership. Wise leadership. And Solomon makes this proclamation. He says, bring out the sword, divide the child in half. And the real mother says, no, 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 you can give it away. And the wise leadership says, that's the real mother. Okay? Two, the problem that they needed outside help in order to solve. Number four, elders are necessary because the burden of leadership is too much for an individual to bear. We saw that in Exodus 18, the passage Josh just read. There's millions of people. One person can't solve all those problems. There needs to be a team of people. Number five, elders are necessary because false teachers with selfish motives will come in and destroy the church. It's going to happen. And you need to eat leaders who are strong enough to say, not here. Okay? Acts chapter 20, verse 29. I know that after I leave, this is how he describes these leaders, these false teachers. Savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Okay? You need leadership for protection. What does a shepherd do? If a wolf comes in, he goes and takes the rod, and he beats the wolf. Okay? King David, one of the first, the first king, one of the, excuse me, second king, um, he said this whenever he was going to go battle Goliath. He said, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep, and when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. As a church, one of the reasons we have elders is because we need protection, okay, from false teachers. If someone came into the church and maybe into your small group or a class, a Bible study or whatever, and started teaching something that was against the Bible, and that has happened, it will happen in every single church, if they come in and say something off the wall, that you know is crazy just by hearing it, like something like, listen, if you're not baptized in the Jordan River uh, in, in Israel, then you're not really saved. You need this extra blessing. Okay, I was there. I happened to me. It was awesome. My life is so much better now. If it is, persists in teaching that, someone needs to come in and say, stop teaching that lie or leave. Okay? That's one of the jobs of an elder. Well, one of the things that's very prevalent these days is something that's called the prosperity gospel. You may or may not have heard this before. It's a movement that teaches if you give away your time and your money to God, and then it ends up being somehow construed that if you give away your time and money to this particular teacher or individual, that God will bless you and you'll be healthy and you'll get ten times over. That's not in Scripture. The reality is God does bless His people who give generously. 
God does bless his people, but it's not necessarily a one-for-one or a one-for-ten. You're not at the craps table playing your odds with God. He's given you everything in Jesus Christ. One of an elder's job would be to come in and say, stop teaching that, it's a lie. Stop teaching that now. Okay? Protect the flock. Okay? The last thing I'll say, number six, is elders are necessary because we need to be taught. Now, y'all listen, the Bible is not super complicated. There, anybody can understand it, but there are some things you need to understand. It was written over hundreds of years, over four, like 40 different authors, two languages. There are different types of literature, poetry and prose and all this kind of stuff. And we need to understand this in order to thrive. This book is the means of your personal transformation. And you need someone who's devoted to understanding it and teaching it to you. It's the job of an elder. Okay? It's the job of an elder. All right? So, that's why we need an elder. So what exactly does an elder do? Point number two. What exactly does an elder do? An elder is a shepherd of the flock of God. He's in charge of spiritual oversight of the, con- of the congregation. The group of elders that we call a session, that's the board or the group of elders, I mean, when they meet together, it's called the session, okay? The job of the session, the group of elders, is spiritual oversight of the congregation, Acts chapter 20, verse 28, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of God, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherd of the church of God, and listen to this, which he bought with his own blood. When you're an elder, a team of elders, there is no other organization, hear me say this, there is no other organization in the history of the world or currently in the world for which the Lord of glory, the King of kings, the Lord of lords has spilt his own blood. The leadership of the church is a very significant thing. When you come to Christ, when you place your faith in the work that Christ has done for you and the person that Jesus is, you are saved. Hallelujah, praise be to God. And you now get to come into the community of God. The people who were bought with Jesus' blood and elders are in charge of shepherding those men and women. An elder is simply an under-shepherd under the great shepherd Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And when First Peter, that last passage that we read in verse 4, he says that when the chief shepherd appears as an elder in a church, me or, or the elders that we are going to elect as a church are simply sheepdogs. We just listen to the voice of the chief shepherd. And we don't carry authority in ourselves. We come and rule based on the authority of God Almighty. We rule based on the authority of His Word. All that elders are doing are calling the people of God to the authority source, the Word of God, and Jesus Christ Himself. Elders are under Him, and their authority is based on not theirs, but, but God's authority and His Word. Elders have the responsibility to personally follow God, right? Lead by example. Like, like Josh gave in his children's sermon illustration, take the battlefield and you're first. You're calling other people to follow. Elders should be the standard of what it means to follow God. Not perfectly, but they're trying their best. They're doing well at, do, at that. They have the responsibility to protect the people 
of God. Now this is something significant. As you're praying and thinking about these the elders that we're going to put into this congregation, you need men who are strong enough and who, ha- who love people enough to protect them from wolves and from people who are trying to destroy the church. Recently I saw uh, a video of a pastor, I believe it was in Canada, Josh can correct me later if I'm wrong, and um, the police showed up in that area to shut the church down because of COVID-19. And the guy, the, the pastor shut, in the middle of the service, they didn't come before, they were trying to make a statement. And he, he barred them from the door and told them to get out. Okay? You want a leader who's going to sacrifice himself enough to protect the flock. That's one of the things that he does. He protects the flock. He also feeds the flock. Uh, Titus chapter 1 and verse 9, again that middle passage, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. A good shepherd does what? He looks over the, the hills, he says there's a good patch of grass over there. Y'all come on, we're going over there. Okay, That's what he does. An elder who leads a church takes the word of God and gives it to people. Our spiritual food, what we need. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 47. For it is no empty word for you, the word of God, but your very life. And by this word you shall live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to possess. Jesus, when he's been tempted by the devil, says it is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Pastors and elders feed the people of God. The very thing that you need to survive, God's own word. That's what they do. Elders have the responsibility to discipline the flock. Now again, this is one of the sermons that I'll talk about later, so I'm not going to do a ton of work on this now. But discipline is the process of calling people back from their sin, what we call repentance, okay? The theological term from that. They're calling people back from their sin, which is destroying them. Okay, when you think about discipline, don't think about it as a process of being mean. Think about it as removing cancer. If you have cancer in your body and you don't do anything about it, it will spread and you will die. You need a surgeon who loves you enough or likes your money enough to slice you open and pull the poison out. An elder in the church doesn't get paid, but his job is to pull the cancer out. You might not like it. It might be uncomfortable. Those stitches might hurt. You might be laid up in the bed for a little while, metaphorically. But the goal is so that you can thrive and be healthy. And part of a job of an elder is to come in and say, stop it. This is going to harm you and other people. Now this is probably one of the, I think is definitely the hardest thing that leaders in the church have to do. And the men you want, these elders, are someone that loves you enough to tell you when you're wrong. And that's a big type of love. You know, we oftentimes think the opposite of love is hatred. It's not. It's apathy, right? And you want, you want men who love you enough and who seek God and who work together through very difficult but the necessary work of telling people to stop their sin and come back. It's one of the things that God does. And then the last thing I'll say is that elders have responsibility to lead the entire flock, 
Paul in Titus chapter 1 and, and that middle passage in that third passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, calls elders overseers, looking over the congregation as a whole. Their job is not just to deal with individual people, though that is their job, but to the organization as a whole. Because remember, organization is not bad. It's actually good. Lead with vision and character that the systems and structures and things that they put in place are leading people to Christ. All right, y'all good? Still with me? Last one, all right? God has ordained the office of elder because the people of God need to be shepherded to, to thrive. What are the qualifications of an elder? Final point this morning, okay? First one is personal devotion and love for God. End of the story. An elder needs to have a, a personal love and walk with the Lord, to spend time in worship together on Sundays, to personally seek God in prayer and reading and meditation of the Word. Uh, secondly, an elder must love people. Here's the difference. An elder is not a board of directors. It's not just a group of people who sit around a conference table and make decisions for an organization. Elders are, they have to be involved with people's lives, helping them, teaching them, loving them, discipline them time. It's not simply a board of directors who make decisions for the organizations, though they do have to do that. It is a group of people that know people. If you don't like people, it's okay, but an elder has to like people, okay? An elder has to like and be passionate about people. 1 Peter chapter two, 5, verse 2, that third passage Peter says, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. All right, number three, elders must be blameless or above reproach. We saw that in that Titus passage. And let me tell you what blameless means. Blameless does not mean sinless, okay? Because we would all be disqualified if that was the case. We'd have no elders ever in the church. Blameless means that you are not characterized by sin. That means when someone or the devil slings mud in your way in accusation, nothing sticks. It slides off. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It means that you are characterized by following God. It doesn't mean that you never sin. It means that you're not consumed by it. Y'all tracking with me? That's what the word blameless means. Two more points, I think. An elder must be self-controlled. You saw that in that Titus passage, right? Not drunken or violent or angry. That in terms of temper and temptations and money and greed and passions, self-controlled, right? Uh, not mastered by anything but God. An elder must be, I don't remember what point I'm on, uh, but an elder must manage and lead his family well. It says in this pas these passages, husband of one wife, children uh, led well who were in the house, right? Leading, trying to lead their family well. And here's the reason why. The reason why is because if you can't handle your own house, why would God trust you with his house? Right? That's why that household thing is in there. Okay? All right, an elder must not be a new follower of Christ, must not be a new converse. They need to have some seasoning on them, okay? Need to have some, need to have been around for a while. Elder, when you think of elder, what do you think? Old, right? That's not one of the qualifications, but they need to have been around for a while, okay? Here's the summary. Qualification of an elder is, is, a, is a men of character, men who love God, Men who know his word. Men who lead their personal families well. Men who love people and want to invest in them and help them. Okay? 
And then the last thing I'll say is humble. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3, that last passage. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, let me ask you a final question, okay? Why wouldn't you want to be led by someone like that? Why wouldn't you? Someone who looks out for your interests is... All this is describing is someone, to the best of their ability, though we're still tainted by sin, who tries to live like Jesus Christ. A lot of times we think that submission is weakness. It's not. Jesus submitted to the Father in coming to die for your sins. You wouldn't be saved unless the Son of Glory submitted to God the Father. Okay? Submission is not weakness. And self-sufficiency is a lie in a lot of ways. God has called men like this to shepherd the church of God so it can thrive. Being an, if, if being an elder sounds like a lot of work, it is. End of story. If being an elder sounds like a lot of responsibility, it is. If being an elder sounds like a difficult thing to be qualified for, it is. But I would also argue, I'd struggle to find a higher calling in life than leading the organization for which Jesus Christ bled than being an elder. It's difficult. It's emotionally involved. It takes a lot of responsibility. It's a hard thing to be qualified for. But it's rewarding in this life. You're doing something of inestimable value. And it's rewarding in the next life. The last verse in those three passages says this, And when the chief shepherd appears, you, these elders, these fellow elders, will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Jesus Christ gave his life for the church. Jesus gave his life for the church. Jesus, the King of glory, Son of God, very God, gave his life for the church. The question is, will you? Father in heaven, we consider this as... um, We study what it means to be led and to lead under your leadership. And we ask two things. One, in particular, for this church, God, that you would lead us as we move forward in in this step. But two, Father, that you would help us to submit to you um, as as our leader. You'd help us to submit to our word, your word. And that you would also help us to be in awe of you. You care for the church so much that you've put these means in place. You didn't leave us to just figure it out. You gave us what we pray for as good men to lead us. And we ask that specifically for this church. Be with us today as we finish worshiping you. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.